whatever you want to do, you probably are looking at opportunities in your current company where you can wring out experiences, create relationships, establish yourself as a leader, hone in and sharpen a lot of those skills where you are today in order to prime yourself for whatever that next move is. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. All right, guys, welcome back. I am so pumped for this conversation. I'm like pumped for every conversation, but particularly this one, because this woman, Bridget, is a numbers guru, but she leads from the heart. She's all about alignment. And what I love about you, Bridget, is like you truly just embrace the suck. (laughs) Like you've really leaned into what feels really good in an area of numbers and finance that might feel super linear for a lot of people. So, and I just love your radiance. You're just genuine and authentic. You're like right to the point, but yet soft and feminine and funny all at the same time. And I'm just so grateful for this conversation. Oh, so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So what is one boldly courageous thing you've done lately? I started a new revenue stream during a crisis. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) So um, times like this, we really get tested. And as entrepreneurs, we get tested even more because it's hard enough to put yourself out there once, but to then dabble in other areas um, can be really, really, really scary. And you've got to do what feels right to you. So I asked myself better questions when this whole um, environment changed. Mm. What demands have been created by this change? And what skill sets do I have to help people solve these problems? And where that landed for me was personal finance. I've gone through, I've built my, first of all, I've built my career on numbers. But second of all, I've also left a really stable C-level job four years ago and had to get really scrappy with my finances and creative in order to build my dream life. And so I've been through it firsthand. I know what it's like. Um, I'm able to put together very easy guided steps to be able to help. It it ends up being women. I'm helping all different kinds of people, but I feel like women are the ones that gravitate. I think that's, you, you can relate to that as well, but it's been such a great way to serve in a way that feels genuine and sets people up for the bounce back. These are Mm. long-term skills that they're learning. I love that we just dove right into this because I know myself included, there are a lot of people right now that are um, faced with an opportunity to redirect and to pivot. And whenever we have a certain expectation, especially when it's tied to money and that expectation goes away, meaning I have a guaranteed paycheck or I have a guaranteed revenue source, then all of a sudden something shifts. I know for a lot of people that it can bring up a lot of fear around safety And I believe that money is a really powerful amplifier for underlying energy because money's energy. It's a really beautiful conductor of, of so many different emotions. And there's a lot tied to safety, right? And fear around control. So I would love to know from your perspective, what was it like when you went through your 
pivot because you pivoted prior to COVID and now you're pivoting for a second time. So I'd love to know what were some of the feelings that you went through and how were you able to shift out of that a second time? Yeah. So, so starting from the original pivot was four years ago, I left my corporate career. It's, I, I worked 15 over 15 years to climb the traditional corporate ladder, which for me was an accounting finance ladder. Um, I was fortunate to enjoy it and excel at it. I made CFO at just 30 years old. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. I enjoyed it. I loved every minute of that experience until about three to four years in. And I started to feel unaligned and I got really confused by that because that's all I ever wanted. That was the goal that I had worked for, I did all the quote unquote right things, stayed late, worked late, got the credentials, um, relocated, and then was really confused by the fact that I wasn't loving it as much as I was before. And so it wasn't the environment or the people that had changed. It was that I was evolving. And I started to recognize that the emotions that I was feeling, the whispers in my mind, that something out there was bigger, better, maybe felt more aligned, something maybe I needed to build, like jump ship and build my own. Um, I started to listen to those voices. And so the naive person in me, (laughs) it was not an easy decision. There was a lot of emotions involved, but I thought that that was the work was, was leaving. And what I quickly realized after leaving the stability and the title and the credibility that I had had in my corporate world, that was when the work just began because I just, I didn't know who I was without that title. I had forever been a gold star chaser. I, I was defined my, by my professional achievements, you know, and, and I, I welcomed it. I just didn't know any different. I didn't have the internal validation that I Um, would need to go out and do this on my own. So there was a lot of inner work. I had to really peel back the onion and figure out who I was without the title, without the job. So there was a lot of self-doubt, a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of things that I just um, were surfacing that I just had never dealt with. I was hiding behind busy when I was in my Mm -hmm. corporate career. And as a result, I wasn't looking in that mirror. I didn't need to. I was too busy, too busy, too busy, you know? And so that that process has really primed me for entrepreneurship and also for situations like this where I then am pivoting again. Um, and I almost use it as an expansion. And I'll tell you why I make that differentiation. So the second time now that I'm coming into this, I'm uh, I feel better prepared to dip a toe into something new because I've done it before. I started my company two years ago. It's called The Betterment Project. And I work with, I'm a business coach. I'm a profitability coach. So I still have the numbers. I still have the service. I just lead from a place that um, is more heart-centered than it ever was before. And I think that's part of being a personal brand, part of being a coach. Um, I go back into businesses and fix the things that made me leave in the first place. Like it doesn't get more heart-centered than that. I have a vested interest in these people and these business owners. Um, so now in expanding those services, you go out into the world of entrepreneurship and you learn all these skills. And when you figure out what works, what methods feel really good for you, you realize that they can apply in different areas. So one of the things that we hear all the time that I'll stress on this call is, you know, whether it's a pivot or an expansion, like a pivot can sound choppy to me. It's just an expansion of of your services. So you can be a multi-passionate entrepreneur, right? So I went from profitability coaching for small businesses to profitability coaching for individuals. 
And so it felt very aligned. I was still talking numbers, but I, you know, it, it can be a really sensitive subject. And just much like you and your attitude around your money mindset, money is a tool to live the life that you deserve. Managing your money is a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. We have got to be better um, stewards of our hard-earned cash flow. And a lot of people aren't. It's a mystery. They don't want to peel back the curtain and take a look. I always say it's like looking, you got to look the monster in the mirror. And I promise you, she'll get prettier over time. We'll make it prettier. We just have to look and see where we are. You know, the tagline for my business is make measurable progress. And it's because it's by design. It's because I want to create small wins. We want to be able to have a goal. We want to know what direction we're going, but we sure as hell want to celebrate along the way. And that deals with business finance, personal finance, pivoting, expansion, whatever it is, like fall down, get back up, keep going. Um, You know, the, the emotions this time around are less of scarcity and identity and more of how can I serve better? How can I show up more? How can I prepare others for this bounce back in the new normal? How can I um, make sure that I'm future-proofing myself, that I'm growing and evolving, that I have diversified my revenue streams? Those are things that are really important for all of us. Um, We've heard it many times not to put all of our eggs in one basket, or at least in the same industry. And so this is the chance. Like, Give yourself permission to play. If there's ever a time to explore, it's now. Hmm. Okay. So I feel like we've lived parallel lives. It's so, you know, (laughs) divinely guided, right? Because I remember feeling that way when, um, I made it through 2008 working in the financial service industry. And I will never forget the day I watched 12 of my colleagues getting laid off through the last financial crisis. And I thought, wow, I'm one of the lucky ones. But it was a testament to my work ethic and my ranking on the sales desk. And it wasn't until 2012 that I got laid off, which was so unexpected. And I felt the same feelings that I'm sure a lot of people are feeling right now is like, this was out of my control. Like, if you are a good hard worker and you're putting up the numbers and your performance speaks for itself, you're somewhat insulated unless it's like an actual, like, you know, HR issue. Um, which I feel like a lot of people are probably going, how did this happen to me? Like I did all the right things and you lose your identity because you're so tied to that title. And now, now you have this opportunity to re-identify with yourself and, I learned through that process, as I'm sure you did as well, and you teach your clients that your self-worth is not defined by your net worth, Um, but your self-worth can actually grow your net worth when you do the inner work and you really connect and you're taking action from a truly aligned place. So let's talk strategy for a second, because when it comes to money, I know that a lot of people are probably sitting in a and energetics of feeling really disempowered. And I know I felt this way too. And we will look at our numbers and we make them mean something when really they're just numbers and we attach a lot of stories to them. So if someone is in a position right now where they're expanding, we'll use that word. I really love that term. And they've just been given the gift of, you know, time freedom because they no longer have a job to show up at and they're exploring opportunities to grow in a different way. What's the first step they need to take when it comes to really, um, I'm going to use the word co-creating a new relationship with their money. You got to look the monster in the face. So yes, I think there, um, I distinguish it in a couple of ways, but visibility is really the key to start with. Our situation has changed and likely 
for many of us, our income has changed, has been impacted as a result. But what I've found in working with clients, what I found in my own bank account is that our, our expenses have also gone down because there are certain things we just can't do. So travel, gasoline has gone down, um, going out to eat, out to drink, all of these things that are really big expense items for our personal burn rate is, um, you know, have been changed. So you're seeing kind of both levers be played with as a result of this environment. When you have visibility to that, that's when you can act and react and redistribute that. So there are relief programs out there. There are opportunities for you to redistribute and be more intentional with your funding. So, but you can't do that until you have visibility to it. So you've got to use the tools that are online. All of our online banking credit cards, there's apps out there. They all try to think like you. There's different reports you can run. You can look at budget spending, or if you're like me and you speak Excel, <laughs> you can dump all that stuff in Excel and just have a heyday with it. That's that's on me, but that's part of what I guide my clients through is I, I kind of and I do that by, to use your word strategy, because I can have a system that thinks like me, or I can go through and, and really look at each expense line item and own it. Because if you want to tell me that your life goals are X, Y, Z, show me your bank account and I'll show you your priorities. Because a lot of times that doesn't line up. And, and that's, that's me too. That, you know, I had to get real scrappy when I left because I said, okay, my gosh, I need visibility to my finances so I can see what my burn rate is, which is essentially what it costs me to live so that I can be educated um, and I can make those sacrifices in a way that feels aligned with me while I build my business. Because I knew that I wanted to do that and I was the one that had to control that. So in this climate or not, regardless, you've just you, you've got to be good stewards of your hard-earned cash. We're really um, focused a lot more on what's coming in and not how it's going out. Mm-hmm. And that just, they bleed away at the bottom line, you know, 15, 16 bucks at a time. It's really kind of remarkable when you add it all up. Mm. So I love that. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, I know for me too, it was like part of doing that was actually creating a new relationship, right? I look at money now as an actual relationship, just like I would with my romantic partners or my close girlfriends, or even in business, we all have different relationship styles. And again, I think money is a powerful magnifier for you to see like, okay, well, how am I being codependent or how am I being not, um, co-creative and things like that. And when I feel into the energy of my future self, like she's super co-creative with her money, it feels fun and it feels easy. And it's not a point of stress. It's a point of excitement and love and an equal energy exchange. Like my money gets to serve me. And then I get to use my money to, serve others. Right. So, so step one sounds like really getting super clear on what the numbers are. So what do you do when you get clear on the numbers and you start judging yourself about it and you start feeling like, oh, I'm never going to get ahead. How did I get here? I'm never going to retire. Okay. Speaking from experience. Yes. <laughs> I'm thir- this is, this is literally what happened to me when I lost my job in 2012. And I started looking at my money. I'm like, I'm hundred K in debt. I owe the IRS money. I don't have a retirement account. I'm 32 years old. I'm never going to get out of this. Like, how will I ever put my kids through college, buy a house, help my mom retire? Like all I started spiraling. Right. So what do you do when you get to that point? I break it up into um, three different forms. And, and, and I think this is so important for so many people. If you're listening, try to try to think about this. Your situation is what it is. It's a starting point. It's a gauge. You only can make progress until you figure out where you are. And then I break it up into three ways. You're going to take care of your past self, which is going to be your debt, the stuff that you've invested in already, the things that are 
obligations. That's your past self. You're going to take care of your current self, which is your current income, your current job. You're going to be mindful stewards of your your cash flow going outbound. So your um, expenses, how it, whether you're saving for an emergency fund, you're just kind of taking care of the present. And then you're also going to take care of that future self. So like Melissa had mentioned, the, the one that has an abundant mindset that has resources available to live the life that she wants and deserves. And so that future self has to do with more saving, right? So there's different things. You can pay off debt. You can invest in your retirement. You can invest in college kids' Um, funds, you can invest in property. So there's all these things. So if you break it up into those buckets, you know, think of, think of yourself 10 years ago and the decisions that you were making 10 years ago and how thankful you are to be where you are now, because your past self took good care of you by going through some of that hard ass stuff, right? How is your present self today? What decisions are you going to make to make sure that 10 years from now, your, your future self is like, hell yeah, girl, we did it. Oh. We did hard stuff. We got through this crazy, uncertain time. We set ourselves up. We, we future-proofed ourselves to the best of our ability so that when, not if, when the next challenge comes up, we're going to be ready. We're going to be good. Um, you know, we're going to be managing our money from a really intentional, decisive place. We're going to have multiple revenue streams. We're going to have, um, skill set and mindset to go along with the expansion. That's going to be, um, necessary in times like this. It's like, God, get excited about that future self. Mm. Don't think about the past self. You're going to take care of her, but think about that future self and think about how, what you can do today to get closer. You're going to kind of close that gap. We all have a point A and a point B. And it's up to us to figure out how to narrow that gap with the tools that we have. And mindset is a huge part of that. Don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. You got to build yourself up. Mm. Beating yourself up just puts you further in the past. And um, the ability to be able to shift that mindset um, is going to be the key to your success because money is like I said, it's a renewable resource. First of all, it's renewable. It will come back around. Time is not renewable. So if you waste your time beating yourself up, you're wasting really um, time that you could set to set to build yourself up for the bounce back. Mm. Okay. So I feel super empowered right now. Like I'm like, yeah, girl, let's do this. Right. I'm feeling like that super empowered energy. And I think that what happens for a lot of people is they stay stuck in disempowerment and they're like, like, I feel powerless to change the situation, especially when there's a lot of debt involved. I know for me, that's how I felt. Um, you know, I just felt, yeah, like hopeless. And I love that you shared like your past self, your present self and your future self, because I think that that's really just a really powerful visual for people to anchor into. And something that we've talked about and that's helped me is really thinking into my future self and how does she behave and what does she do and how does she co-create? And, you know, I think a lot of us want to earn more, right? That's always the goal. I want to make more, but if you don't set the right foundations up, then it doesn't matter how much you earn if you just spend it all. So I know for me too, that happened. I, I went from, you know, earning about anywhere from 80 to $120,000 a year in my corporate job. And then, you know, over 300,000 in my network marketing company, but I had the same amount of debt. I had the same patterns, right? So I wasn't tapping into my future self. I was still living based on an operating system that my past self had established. And so it wasn't until I tapped into my future self and we started to shift the conversation and really work through some of the limiting beliefs that things have started to shift. So I really love, love that you shared that. So I really want to talk about um, what to do when your dream job no longer serves you because 
one, I know that there are a lot of women right now that are hearing your story and they're going, oh my God, she's giving me so much permission. Like, yes, that's me. And with the environment that we're in, a lot of people have been given an opportunity to slow down and reevaluate. So what does it look like for you when you come to that realization of like, there's got to be more to life than this? And, and I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, well, a lot of our listeners are those women that like checked all the boxes and thought that's what happiness would be, but they're left feeling unfulfilled, even if they're making great money. So what do you do when your dream job doesn't serve you anymore? Yeah, it's, you know, it, and it's, it's going to be unique. I'm going to give you kind of the basics of, of what I went through and you can take it as it applies to you, or at least consider it. Cause there's basically going to be three different kinds of people. If I, if I could bucket them that way in this situation where the kind that have had it, but are not in a position financially where they can leave. And for those people, I would give you this advice. I would say you are sitting um, upon a resource and it, whatever you want to do, you probably are, are looking at opportunities in your current company where you can wring out experiences, create relationships, establish yourself as a leader, hone in and sharpen a lot of those skills where you are today in order to prime yourself for whatever that next move is. So don't make it a loss. Don't make it a loss for you or your employer because you're still there. You're still contributing. There's still opportunity for you, but do it as a way to fund your dream. And when you put, look at it that way and you make that reframe in your mind about funding your dream, the work seems less. You're doing it to be able to get out. Okay. Um, you don't want to be an underperformer. You don't want to burn bridges. So there, if you're not in the position to be able to leave, that would be one person. The other person would be the one that, um, I guess, you know, like me, I actually did it kind of middle of the roadway. I knew that I was ready to leave. I knew I didn't want to underperform. And I certainly didn't want to um, burn any bridges because I wasn't sure if I was going to come back into corporate or what that would look like for me. I just knew I needed to silence my environment. So my advice to you is if you have the runway and you have, if you're a key employee, for example, I was a CFO. So it wasn't like I was just, you know, I gave them the option of two weeks and I also gave them four months. Well, they took four months and tried to get (laughs) six. Um, and, and that's great, but I wanted to set them up for success and it gave me peace of mind. I knew I was doing the right thing. So there are a couple things that I did to bow out gracefully. One, I had the conversation with my owner, my president. I gave the option of, look, if you want two weeks, I had to be prepared if she said that, but otherwise it can be three months or four months or whatever it was. So I was very transparent about that. The second thing that I did is we didn't tell everybody um, for a while because I think we, she was maybe thinking I might not, <laughs> I might change my mind, but I didn't. And the minute she realized I wasn't going to change my mind, I actually offered to take a 20% pay cut and take Fridays off so that I could job search on my own time. And that's a very respectful thing. You know, it's, if anybody's ever looked for a job, you know, dang well, it's a full-time job to look for a job. And then you got to have like some sort of, you know, interview clothes in your car and you're changing on the way. And it's just like, you know, kind of a disaster. Right. So, um, I was really transparent with her about the fact that when I resigned, I didn't have another job. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to underserve her. So I wanted to be really respectful of their time as well as their money. Um, I'm now the fiduciary of the company. Obviously I was real close to the numbers and I just felt that that was more fair. It gave me freedom and it gave them a really like, um, a commendable way to handle this. So that would be like the second person. And then there's the other person that's like, I have got to get out of here. Like I'm going to lose my mind or I'm going to get myself fired. 
And if you're in that case, you're probably not doing the company as much good. You're certainly not doing yourself any good. So you've got to then look at other outlets. So we talk about permission to play. We talk, there's a lot of, um, you know, things that I, that I can do that I don't necessarily want to do, but you have the skill set to do. And you have to be able to open yourself up humbly to be able to say, what can I do in the short term to get myself out of this situation? Cause it's that bad. And I'm damaging my reputation by not being able, like, I'm just that far out. Um, and so those are the three scenarios that I would look at. If you're thinking, gosh, this dream job that I once wanted no longer serves me. It's, it could be internal. It could be the environment. It could be the people. Um, but you've got to figure out where you are in that spectrum of those three buckets and act accordingly, because the reality is whatever you do next, your references, your jobs, your resume, it's all going to follow you. So the biggest piece of advice I have to give you is go as gracefully as possible. Mm. Okay. I love this. And that makes total sense. I love how you broke it out into those three different categories, because again, it just comes back to feeling like you have a plan and feeling empowered in your decision. And that. I had a client that I was working with recently, and I know a lot of people feel this way. One of my private mentorship clients was was feeling guilty about wanting to leave her job because her story was so many people would kill for this and I'm not grateful for it. And I'm like, girl, like you staying is keeping people who would kill for it from actually receiving the position, right? But there was some guilt that um, came up around her wanting to pursue you know, her dream. So she went in and she sat down and she was very honest with her employers. And, you know, again, like you were saying, it doesn't serve them to have somebody there that's not excited about the mission. I mean, think of like, I sit in that now. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, we were just talking about this before we pressed record about hiring an assistant and like hiring your team. You don't want somebody on your team who's not a hundred percent invested in your vision because you're so invested. You need, you, you want all hands on deck, right? It's an energetic thing. So I love that you, I love that you shared that perspective. So what happens when, you know, you make this decision that you're going to leave and then your whole family and your partner is like, what are you doing? That's crazy. Cause they're operating from a place of fear and you're operating from a place of faith. I'm sure this requires some real difficult conversations. So how do you navigate that? It really did. And if you, you know, if you can kind of step into that place with me of how emotional that was for me to just discover that it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore and being confused and then starting to feel stuck and then starting to figure out this plan of, you know, bowing out gracefully and going out of my own. So I'm still trying to convince myself that it's a good idea. Right. And then you have people close to you. So I'm married. I have a husband. I of course have my family that had been cheering me on throughout this corporate ladder climb that you know, we're proud and, and they just, they don't, they don't come from a background or a family of entrepreneurs. So this was very non-traditional and probably considered, I think words like, you know, kind of like reckless come to mind, like, is it responsible? And you have a mortgage and all of these things. And so it's hard enough to go through it on your own and then to have to, um, you know, convince others when you're still trying to convince, convince yourself is really tough. So I don't think that I would ever say that I did it um, in the best way that I could, but we made it through. So there are definitely, I don't say it's wrong. Cause I'm going to try to steer, stray away from that word, but, um, but yeah, there was a lot of challenge around that. I really felt like I needed to prove myself. Like I needed to replace that income quickly. Like I needed to show up and say, well, I was a corporate CFO. I can be an entrepreneur. Well, let me tell you something, sister, like where the hell's my team? where the hell's my money? Like that, that is not an easy transition, no matter who you are. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It is a strong energy game and you've got to develop 
multi-skills. So I accounting is essentially like overhead. I mean, I was client facing when I was signing contracts and schmoozing and whining and dining, but I wasn't selling. And so for me to all of a sudden go out and package up services that felt really aligned with me and start selling myself, that was a skill I had to learn. That was not always something that was natural or organic for me. The numbers, I could sit and hide behind my spreadsheets all day long, but that's not going to pay the bills, right? So going through that process, it was a huge learning curve and the biggest game changer for me. So it's been over four years now, about the first two years, I tried to do it on my own. And I'm ashamed to say this because it kind of makes me laugh in a tongue-in-cheek way, but I was just so over people when I left corporate. I used to say, like, I used to be a people person until people ruined it. (laughs) And, And I only mean that in the way that, like, when you're in a place where you feel like you're stuck or you want to evolve and expand and you can't, you feel limited by by a structure. The last thing that you lose tolerance, right? For, you know, oh my gosh, if one more person needs something from me, I need something from me and I don't even have time to serve my own self. So that's where it really kind of came into play where I decided, okay, so for the first two years, I went on it a little bit too much solo. I felt very isolated. If if you're not careful, you can get real isolated in a home office, working with only a handful of clients, trying to spin your wheels through building a business. And then it was about two years in that I realized that I didn't have to go at it alone. And it was the best day of my life when I realized that there were other women, other people, other entrepreneurs out there. I started putting myself in the rooms with communities. I joined masterminds. Um, I hired coaches. I'm a coach and I need a coach. Like I just was, I was, everything changed exponentially for the better once I started surrounding myself with other people that were going through the same thing. I can't stress it enough. I don't know where I would be right now if I didn't start valuing that and putting myself in those positions. Yeah. Amen to that because this goes back to what we were sharing earlier about, you know, if you're in a position right now where, you know, you want to pivot into entrepreneurship and people are in like a fear-based mindset right now around like what's happening with the current environment and they're losing their jobs and you're in this energy where you're just excited. If your, your environment is stronger than your will, right? Basically. And so it sounds to me like you recognize that the environment that you were in wasn't serving the expansion that you were looking for. And you kind of have to go through that and experience when things start to feel out of alignment and self-awareness is everything, whether it's in your business or your relationships with your money, all those things. And I will obviously agree with you, like everything I've done in my, like in my business growth, everything I've done to kind of get to where I'm at in my business has risen and fallen on my ability to one, invest in myself and to grow my relationship capital. Because if we're talking about money here for a second, I really believe, and I would love your um, input on this, that relationship capital is more valuable than cash in the bank. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, the relationship capital, you never know when your paths are going to cross again. And, you know, the net worth and network connection is really, really powerful. Um, Not only just in entrepreneurship, but like we work in a relationship, like, like everything's human connection, right? And so when when you're thinking about a, a service or a product or something like that, you have to put yourself out there so you're top of mind. 
And not only just from, it's got to be an equal exchange, right? You're also, you know, helping other people, you're collaborating, you're working together. We are all so much better when we share and we learn so much from each other. That, that That's part, that's like perfect segue. Like the other thing, you know, for me going by myself and working, I'm not the expert in every single thing. So I can't be the end all be all for a business. And it would be silly of me to think that. And it's a lot of pressure to be able to think that. So when you start to collaborate with people that have niche um, services, you're adding more value to the client. You are offering a better solution because you're putting um, more heads together than just one. And you're also building that relationship capital. It's like a win, win, win for everybody involved. I totally agree. Um, I think everything has just expanded as a result of the people that I've surrounded myself with. Um, it's, it's a blessing. And the biggest thing that, you know, the, 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 one of the lessons that I learned, I just want to throw this in there for anybody that's married, that's considering leaving the job and starting a business. So just because you're going to go out and start a business doesn't mean your significant other wanted to start that business as well. And for the longest time I wanted my husband's approval so badly, like so badly in a way that I wanted it delivered, like on a platter with, you know, flowers, this is okay. We're on, we're going to do this, you know, and that's just never was going to be the way I was going to receive it. So I had this aha moment a couple years in of like, oh my gosh, he is my, he is my life partner. He's not my business partner. I have been trying to make him both. And it's just like, oh my gosh, once I realized that I just, I didn't need his approval. I just needed his support. And that freed me up, that freed him up. It made all the difference in our relationship because as a general rule, my husband is not going to get ex excited about things in life as I am. Just he's, he's a little bit more neutral. He's like Mr. Oatmeal, right? Calm and cool. And so for me, I was like, I have to recalibrate. I have to know that this is my business. I got to, this is when I lean on my tribe, my community, my entrepreneurs. And I was like, that's why I have these communities. He can't be all those things. If he is great, but that's not necessarily what he signed up for either. So my growth um, has is really important to me and I can still grow and be a really positive person and part, um, participate in this marriage in a way that feels authentic to us without bringing the rest of it in there and making that kind of an expectation. It changed everything for me once I changed that perspective. What's so interesting about that is as a numbers person, I would, I would imagine anybody who's numbers driven is really good at compartmentalizing things and putting them into categories, right? But when it comes to relationships, we don't compartmentalize our relationships. We think that our partner needs to be every compartment and our best friend needs to be every compartment, but there's, we're dynamic humans and there's like different people in our lives serve different needs and different compartments for us. Right. And so again, like when you're just starting out and you're leaving your job and you're deciding to pivot the way you think about anything, life, business, relationships, money, and you're shifting careers, sometimes your closest girlfriends who you, you know, went to college with and danced on tabletops with, like, they're not the ones that are going to talk about sales funnels and cash flow <laughs> and, you know, like mindset stuff. And that's okay. It's not, it doesn't mean that they can't serve different aspects of you, but I think it is important to recognize that you need those different communities for the different sort of archetypes of who you are. And I, I think that that advice and that perspective that you offered, especially when it comes to relationships is so important because a lot of women stand in fear or resistance around really stepping into who they are because they're, you know, they don't feel quote unquote supported from their partner, but they're expecting, they're putting 
expectations on their partner that their partner really didn't sign up for. So I just love that you shared that. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, there's a lot that goes, if you are in a relationship and you're going through career transition, there's a lot that goes into that. That was something that um, nobody told me, nor did I ask. I just didn't realize. I thought, like I said, I thought leaving my job was going to be the the end of the work. That shit had just begun and <laughs> <It> still <laughs> continues. It still continues. But that is one of the things that I think is really important to recognize is that I was feeling doubtful. I was going through the emotions of starting a business. I was going through the identity and all these things. And what I didn't realize is how much I had changed and how much my husband was watching me go through these changes and kind of waiting for the moment that it's going to click. So I wasn't, it's a true and tried like cliche of saying I, I didn't love myself. So how was I being loving in the relationship? And the minute I was able to shift that energy back and do that work and peel the onion and peek behind the curtain and do all the things that I needed to do and have the cries, like the bathroom floor moments, I call them where you're on the floor and you're just like, what is happening? I made this choice. Do I, you know, what, what is it about? Is it worth it? Should I just go back? Like these are emotions. These are things that if, if you, that doesn't sound any way, shape or form, like a growth opportunity for you, then entrepreneurship is probably not for you. It's very um, challenging and the most rewarding thing, but it is an opportunity to grow and evolve. And if that's what you're seeking, if that's what you feel like you're missing in your current job, then I would invite you to explore. I would give you permission to play. I would find yourself a tribe. I would get some serious like inspo in your environment and see what you're made of. See if there's something that's really going to light you up and um, build that life that you have always dreamed of. Mm. We could just end right there because that was a mic drop moment. I love it. So speaking of community, I know that when it comes to money, it can feel like a really lonely topic. People like to sit in the dark about it. Um, I know for me, I you know, had a lot of fear around judgment that if people knew how much debt I had, that they would judge me because I was judging myself. And it wasn't until, again, like you were saying, I peeled back the layers and I really started to look at it and normalize it and like realize there weren't any monsters under the bed and that I could actually start talking about it. And when I started talking about it, I realized that a lot of people shared in my experiences and then community started happening, right? I believe that vulnerability is the pathway to connection. So in speaking of community, when it comes to entrepreneurship and money, I know that you have a couple things that you're creating right now and really trying to normalize the conversation. So tell me a little bit more about what you're creating and what you're most excited about. Yeah. So, you know, personal finance is one of those things that, you know, we talked about from the beginning. I truly believe managing your money is a form of self-care. I think if we're not doing it, we're doing an injustice to ourselves. And the reason that I say that is by definition... Self-care is taking intentional action to improve your well-being. And so if money gives you anxiety, if money gives you stress, if it makes you less present, if you lack sleep because of money, then you are not practicing self-care. So having said that, what I did is I pulled together, I've been doing free webinars for the last six weeks, probably one to two to three a week, popping in online communities, talking about how to optimize your finances in the ever-changing new normal. And it's um, about 60 minutes. I leave time for q and I don't record them because they're live. I give tangible tips on how to improve your personal profitability after you get visibility, of course, and then um, leave some room for you know ideas of different things that you can do in this client and beyond to set yourself up for the bounce back and also future-proof yourself for other challenges that are likely to come up. So that is one thing that I'm doing. I I share about them typically on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out a lot. A lot of my clients are there. It's Bridget Boucher. Um, 
that's on the personal finance side. Um, you know, the other side of that, that I feel extremely called to as a heart centered entrepreneur and as somebody that took a little bit too long, but you know, timing, divine timing, whatever to find communities and tribe, I started creating my own rooms. I started creating my own environments of powerful, high-performing women. I do things like virtual business owner coffee chats. Um, I'm just about to flip the switch on a container, a six-week container for female business owners, because we're about to re-enter into this business. And I'll be damned if I'm going to go in there less strong than when I came in, right? So I want to bounce back stronger. I know a lot of um, high-performing women that are female business owners that want the same. So I'm creating a container of accountability and intention and focus where we can really set ourselves up to, to re-enter with um, not only just stronger in our own right, but what kind of expansion are we going to um, put out into the world? How are we changing the way we do things? Are we um, offering different services? It's been a really exciting thing for me to explore. And I've been fortunate enough to work with um, a lot of female business owners and entrepreneurs who are going through um, this tough time in a way that has push them to grow. And, and it's been, it's like, you know, profits and purpose and passion and all of those things combined. So I'm just thrilled to create this space because I'm fired up. And I know the people that are in this room that are going to be in this room with me are just as fired up and we're going to push each other and level each other up and celebrate the whole damn time. Mm, yes. I want all of that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening want that as well. So if people are feeling really called to your message and wanting to connect with you, and get into your um, energy, what's the best way for them to do that? So I do hang out on LinkedIn a lot. I mentioned Bridget Boucher. It's B-O-U-C-H-A. It'll probably be put in the show notes. And then also I'm on Instagram. I do share a little bit more of the vulnerability side of the journey, the self-discovery, the inner work, um, and, and just the money tips on Instagram. It's at life with coach B. Mm. Those are the two main platforms that I hang out on. And I just, you know, I love more than anything to, talk to people about how, about possibility, about opportunity, right? We can look at things like we don't want to minimize what's happening outside of us and around us. We want to maximize what's happening inside of us. Mm -hmm. And that's really where my whole mission was born. Mm. This conversation has been so expansive for me personally. And I know for a lot of other people, um, you know, talking about money and pivoting and redefining success can sometimes feel really scary and you just make it feel so expansive. So I just want to acknowledge you for that, Bridget. Thank you so much. And last question, and you can go in as deep as you want is what are you celebrating right now? Oh, my celebrating. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm celebrating music right now. I am celebrating music and I want to, I just, the reason I want to say that is every time I use music to change my vibe and change my energy, I feel like a reset button. And I feel like it's something simple. It's something we all have access to, and we can uniquely define what that is for us. So if there's one tip that I can give you today, turn on some music, move your body, jump around, reset yourself and watch your energy rise up. Yes, I agree with that. And I love that. Guys, if you love this episode, please, please, please share it, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. And Bridget, I am so incredibly grateful for you. This was absolute fire. And until next time, guys, make sure you live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful 
for you and this amazing community we are building together. It is truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to fully step into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes and leaving me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.